everybody, Mike Erie here. So glad that you are joining us for a new episode of the Vox Podcast. Uh, I have a very special in-studio guest today, Kevin Number Two, as he is known in these circles. Say hello. Hello. This is Kevin Number Two. Kevin Number Two is a, a, a resident of Columbus, Ohio, from which the uh, Vox Podcast is based, the world headquarters, suburban Columbus, Ohio. Thank you very much. Kevin is a coffee salesman. And um, and loves it, but he just had some very spicy Jimmy John. I'm not going to lie. How was your sub, Kevin? I think we, you know, we need to know. It was uh, tasted excellent, but it was quite messy. Yeah. As you saw, it's all in my beard still. <laughs> so there's that. Yes. And it was hot. It had a little kick to it. It had a little kick to it. I don't know what was on it, but uh, little little organisms are attacking <laughs> my tongue as we speak. So they're called bacteria, and that's gross. Now, uh, Kevin, as a, organisms. a yeah, well, as a coffee salesman, what in a in a literally saturated market, like what's what's the crimson cup? That's it, that's the coffee you sell. What's the like coffee pitch? Like what's how do you how do you sell coffee? You know what I mean? When there's so many coffees out there. Are you asking me for real? Yeah. Like, no, no, I'm really asking for real. Know. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's like selling coffee? like bottled water. It's right. like there's so much. How do you differentiate? No, I don't love coffee. So I'm. that's why I'm curious. I'm like, well, okay, so is it based on quality or price or what? Uh, it would depend on who you are as a customer okay. and what you're interested in. So some people want the world's greatest coffee, which we have. Which is which, which mix? Fredrero mix? Fredrero. Yeah, that's that's the next. No, what was the mix coming out? What was the we mix? actually just won like six uh, silver medals in the the Good Food Awards. They do um, not have medals for coffee. Yes, they do. There were a thousand roasters that competed, and we won in in a number of categories. So, Fredrico's mix. Who was it? Fredrico. Uh, What's the mix you always talk about? Armando's, but Armando. That's, that's not, right. That's, that's not, close. That's not the one we win with. Oh, what uh, do we win with? Uh, like sweet ones, like these geisha coffees from what? Peru, and there's one called Colombian Mocha. Um, yeah, Cosa Cabina. <laughs> the Colombian Mocha is white, I'm speaking, and you snort it. I'm speaking your language <laughs> right now. Yeah, I. Uh, if I walked in and I was trying to sell you coffee, I would probably turn around and just walk right out the door. Is what I would do. So, oh. yeah, it's a tough job. It's a hard. It's a very difficult product to sell because it's it's readily accessible. Uh, but at the same time, it's fun because most people, except you, like coffee. Is it and, better uh, than Folgers? Absolutely. Folgers is terrible. Is it? It's also commodity coffee, which is destroying the environment, oh. and farmers and people and, oh. and those sorts of things okay. too. So Okay, um, so you got you got you got aces up your sleeve. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of a lot of people care about silver um, medals. About where their coffee comes from or food comes from for that matter. Right. And so, um, for me, as long as it comes from either Costco or McDonald's, I'm fine. Um, is that you, what you mean? You should stop uh, going to McDonald's. Um, I thought I thought we were uh, getting healthy here in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just hypothetically giving oh, an hypothetically example. Hypothetically talking about. <laughs> so um, this is so Seth Erie is this is this relates. Seth Erie is my nine year old, and he is a very. Um, you know, they say he's delayed, and and certainly when it comes to like math, that is true. But when it comes to restaurants, he is advanced. So I asked him, his birthday's in December, and I was like, Seth, what, what do you want to do for your birthday? And in December. Like, in December. Okay. Okay. Now to him, December is the. It just is. It means not today. 
Okay. But it could be like two days from now or whatever. And and he begins, he just says with a grin on his face, he says, you know, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A. Good man. And Red Robin is how he pronounces it. Red Robin. That's what he, so he wants to do a food tour of all the healthiest establishments. Okay. So we're going to get, we are going to get healthy, but just not that day. Okay. Yeah. I just thought that was funny. He's that like, is- that's that. What do you want to do for your birthday? I want to go to Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and Red Robin. All right. All right. No roosters, huh? He's not He's not a wing guy. Okay. All right. <laughs> we don't roosters, want to be. for all of you out there who aren't from Ohio, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's the place where you go to clog up your arteries. Yes. In Amen. Ohio. All right. So, so fascinating coffee talk. I, we could, I could do this oh, for days. You could, I could do this for hours. For minutes. <laughs> So uh, if you're new to the podcast, we have a lot of new listeners kind of coming on and working their way through the back catalog. We um, are very, want to be very sensitive to feedback we get and questions that people ask. And so every now and again, we do these Vox mailbag sort of episodes, which are, which are just us responding to questions that we get. And the important point that, that we say all the time, it's not because we're the Bible answer people that we do this. And it's not because the answers we're going to give are amazing. Um, this isn't about the answers at all, but so so much uh, today is permission to ask the questions. And so we want to encourage people to be really raw and honest with the questions they have. And one of the ways that we honor those uh, is just by reading them on air and and responding to them, but it's not because we're Bible geniuses that we, that we do so. So first one, subject. Reconstructing in the Buckle of the Bible Belt. All right. Uh, I want to thank you for your podcast as it is a voice in the ongoing reconstruction of my faith as a follower of Christ. Thank you. Growing up in Southwestern conservatism and then living in the Midwest in literally the buckle of the Bible Belt, Branson, Missouri. Branson. Now, I've, now listen, no one knows this, but I, so I was, I was, it's the late 90s. Okay. Grunge has taken over the world, but is now being displaced by the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, okay? Late Which 90s. was a great era. Not, not, not that. What? Britney Spears? No, oh, this was horrible. Backstreet Boys? Oh, Lord. NSYNC? Kevin. Come Kevin. on. Yeah. Okay, so... so I, I was joking. Sarcasm. I, well, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, I, I, I bet if I turned off the lights right now and put on a little Backstreet's Back tonight... I think I'd see you moving. I think I'd see some jamming. You would. Yep. That's yep. what I'm saying. So Absolutely. I don't think you're lying. Now, Branson, Missouri, just a quick story about Branson, Missouri. I was dating a young lady and uh, I'd, I'd moved to California from Ohio to go to graduate school. And uh, we had dated the long distance relationship and, and she had just gotten a job in Branson, Missouri. And, and she was thought about moving out to California with me, but she said, you know, I don't think you'd move for me, so I'm not going to move for you. So, so being the amazing dude, I think I, I thought I was at the time, I thought this is fantastic. I'm going to move. I'm going to drop everything and move to Branson, Missouri. Now I had, I had no idea. I'd never been there. Right. Um, I, I remembered like pulling up over this hill and there's the Yakov Shmirnoffs. Do you remember him? 
Russian comedian from the 80s. Wow. He has this big thing. I mean, oh, so I was a substitute teacher in Branson, Missouri for three months, three of the worst months of my entire life. And that's saying something because it was Branson. And this young lady realized that she didn't want to have a relation with me after all. And I don't blame her now looking back. So I got dumped, had to move back to Ohio and ended up working for her dad as a Justin's ring salesperson. But the moral of the story is you did move for her and she said you wouldn't. Yeah, I showed her. You showed her. And then, so then I spent eight months working for her dad in Piqua, Ohio. And her dad, I mean, her family's amazing. But I, but it wasn't, so I read Branson, Missouri. I just get twitchy. Like, I, I get, can't help it. Well, that's like the Canacook capital of the world, too. I don't even know. Is that the camp? Canacook's the big camp, yeah. Camp, okay. Yeah, so anyways, so, I mean, so... So this is what do you call it? The Bible, the buckle, buckle of, of the, the Bible, Bible belt, belt. and, well, and I'm that's glad probably that you true. Have built rapport with this with this person so that he feels. Yes. she feels. I'm not sure. No, it's a, it's a young man. So young, a young man, man, I I I know you. <laughs> I went to I forget his name, but it was like they were giving away free tickets to a Christmas special with some really like elderly. He was big in the '50s kind of show, and and it was me and maybe. Maybe 70 um, uh, women who were probably same age. And it was, and it was, was that, was that your rebound or was this before (laughs) or after you got broke up with? No, no, this was during. All right. This person has been waiting forever. We should probably answer his question. So in Branson, Missouri. So I I just can't hear Branson, Missouri. (laughs) Answer the question. (laughs) All right. Religion, growing up in Southwestern conservatism, religion, is always about conservatism more than a relationship. As I got older and uh, traveled more and met new people who loved Jesus but didn't see things the way I saw them, I began to reestablish what my faith looks like practically. I'm still growing and learning, but I find myself wanting those around me to experience some of the same freedom I have through what I've learned. How do you recommend sharing those ideas on of reconstruction in a helpful, meaningful way in the middle of the oppressive, and then he puts parentheses, this is too harsh, uh, evangelical conservative culture of the buckle of the Bible Belt? Thank you again. So the question is, hey, I, I've experienced, and he uses words that we use, uh, deconstruction and reconstruction. All right, so let's define those really quick for people who are new to the show. Deconstruction is the process by which the faith that you were handed, the tradition you were handed, however it came to you, and whatever form came to you, all of a sudden doesn't match the life that you're experiencing. Um, Or you look at the fruit of your tribe, and, and and you realize, oh, well, I don't wanna be like that. Um, either of those. So, so either life, you know, you, you have somebody you love dearly who comes out, you have somebody that you love dearly who, uh, is not a horrible atheist. They just don't buy it. You, you have somebody that, um, you know, that, that dies of, of a horrible disease way too early in a religious setting that promises healing. I mean, these sorts of like something in real life happens where you go back and you go, well, this isn't matching up, right? Or you look at the fruit of of what Christianity is in the public square, and you're just like, I don't, I don't. So either of those happen, and you invariably go back to the text and realize, oh, not everything I was handed comes straight from the Bible. And deconstruction is the process of sifting and sorting through the tradition you've been handed to see, okay, what part of this is actually um, scriptural? 
to the degree we can find out that it is. Uh, and what part of this is, you know, either a political ideology or a religious tradition that's been handed down, but doesn't in fact have its basis in the teachings of Christ. Reconstruction then is what you do when you've done that and you begin to put together your faith practically. Does that make sense? Yes. You're giving me very curious looks on your face. It could be, it very, could be the mustard. In, very inquisitive. Very, uh, uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm soaking it in. Literally, he's soaking it in because I'm sweating. Literally. Now, so once you define, so, so our friend here has been on this process of kind of sifting and sorting through uh, the beliefs he was handed. And, and you have to be, you know, you, the best way to do this is in community because it's very easy to just use yourself as the sifter and the sorter and whatever you think is right and good and whatever. But. The question then becomes, hey, I've I've escaped some of the suffocating aspects of the Christian subculture. How do I help people find that same freedom? So that's a very, very good question. A couple of thoughts, Kev. I'll throw throw them out and then see what you think. Okay. All right. Perfect. As somebody um who doesn't wear belts, do you do you have a belt on? Belt. Oh, you do have a belt on. Yeah, because you're all professional. So you know, okay, I haven't worn a belt. Oh. First of all. Because I don't know that they make them large enough. But secondly, suspenders are by far the cooler way to go. Uh, when you wear <laughs> suspenders, make sure you uh, take a selfie and send it out to the world so that we can all so, enjoy. <laughs> so some thoughts. Um, some thoughts on helping other people. First, um, you can never, and, and this is the hardest one for me, but but. Like, all you can do is tell your story and focus on what you've learned. You can't should people into the freedom that you have. You can't, you know, bribe them. You can't um, guilt them or shame them or whatever else, right? I mean, you, um, you're you the the thing we talk about all, all the time on the show is, hey, we're, I am, Mike Erie is the biggest sinner always in, in, in any room I'm in. And I mean that literally, but really? I also mean that metaphorically in the sense that, that you know, when Paul talks about, man, Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am the worst, um, you know, this is the same Paul that was bragging about how Jewish and great at Judaism he was. Uh, but then you realize you come into contact with this Jesus and you realize, oh my goodness, I, the only internal motives and intentions that I'm that I for sure know are my own. Therefore, even though I may ascribe motives to you or judge you or whatever, the only authoritative person I'm an expert on in terms of their sinness is myself. And so Jesus taught very cleanly: if you're going to rebuke somebody, you have to see your sin as a log and their sin as a speck of dust. So for me. The first thing you've got to you've got to come at this is is telling you're not talking about them you're not talking about what they should do you're talking about what you've done and what's happened to you along those lines you have to be drenched in kindness and this is this is super hard for me because I've been hurt deeply by some branches of Christianity and some very specific Christians who practice specific branches of Christianity. And I don't want to be kind. I want to rebuke the crap out of them because you see Jesus rebuking Pharisees and whatever. Um, and, and so I have to be super careful there. I mean, we even got an email from uh, a couple of shows ago. I got an email from somebody that just said, listen, you seemed like you were mocking 
people that don't agree with you. And, and you, you know, that the feedback that's like, hey, I disagree with you or I think you're an idiot. Okay, great. Um, join, my, my wife amens all of those. Um, but the feedback that's like, hey, it felt like you were mocking. I mean, that, that one I take super seriously because that's the last thing you want to do, right? right? You never want to come across as somebody who is superior or who would mock people that, that don't agree or aren't at the same place. Now, this is obvious stuff, correct? Right, absolutely. But it's easy for people who, um, you know, whether they first come to Jesus and they're like, they're sharing Jesus in such uh, an offensive way, or they they come and they discover this kind of, oh, there is Jesus, the the real thing underneath 2,000 years of kind of tradition and grime. Um, It's very, very tempting to make that about other people and not make it about your journey, your story. So, so the, the, go ahead. Uh, So just... So when you say that, if I'm sharing, if I'm learning or seeing things in maybe a, a little bit different way and I share my story, mm-hmm. you're saying just to share, hey, this is what I'm learning. This is what I'm thinking. And then out of that, you can say, hey, this book was is really challenging to me. I'd love your take on it to see if there's anything I missed, you know, or this so, podcast. But what, what baseline does that come from? Because I can think whatever I want. Sure. And I can tell you this is my story. I mean, you do you, right? I mean, that's the right. that's the culture right now. So, what what is there a baseline that you would well, start I, with? Or? I'm assuming the baseline is in relationship. So I find myself wanting those around me to experience some of the same freedom. So baseline is these are people who are already in a relationship with me, and and they are aware of what's happening. You okay. know, that I'm on this journey. Right. And that out of that, out of not superiority, not out of meanness, not out of like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you think that. Uh, but instead out of, man, they, these are some really challenging things that have been super refreshing for me to read. I'd love your take on them. I see. Like, like that yeah. is way better than you need to read this book. Right. This right. book is going to change your life. Right. That's about them. You need to make it about you. This book was really challenging to me, and I'd love your take on it. This podcast was super interesting. I'd love your take on it. Right? That is so less threatening yeah. than you should. But it's it's interesting you say that. It's in the the baseline of education, of learning, of not just sitting around coming up with your own whacked out ideas or anything like that. Is that yes. what you're saying? Like it's it's in response to <laughs> I see your own asking. education, your own learning, or yeah, yeah, yeah. or yeah, hearing this or hearing this pastor speak or, or that sort of thing. Yeah. It's, it's now, now we can always dress it up as intellectual, right? Right. You can just say, well, I'm sick of the Bible sexual ethic. Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to go read some people that disagree who are a lot smarter than me and then quote them. Right. Totally. Anyone can do that. The good deconstructing is the deconstructing that Jesus modeled when he would sort through the traditions of the elders Right. And so when he would rebuke the Pharisees, there were things he would rebuke them on where they'd lost the plot, they'd lost focus. Like in Matthew 23, there are these seven zingers he's throwing at him and the teachers of the law, right? That's he's deconstructing um, what their faith had been built on. Right. Right. So it was built on the traditions of the elders. And Jesus saying, no, no, it needs to be built on me. Um, so Jesus models a bit of this. So yes, my assumption is that when people are deconstructing Christianity, it's, it's Christianity they're interacting with and not some version of their own wants and desires, um, of, you know, what I wish were true. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. No, but that's a good question. I just want to pull that out a little bit. Pull it. 
What so like so? Let's just give a, a hypothetical. Like what you lived in Branson, so you are fully I did. in the know. Oh of my the goodness! Buckle of the Bible Belt. Yakov Smirnov. I keep thinking about Buckle the store, and I just need to go get some new jeans or something. But he keeps saying the Buckle of the Bible Belt. Maybe there's a really good Buckle there. Okay. Um, you probably don't know what the Buckle is because you don't wear anything but but gym shorts and t-shirts. They're slimming, bro. Black. Yeah. T-shirts or something. Yes. Um, like, what would be a hypothetical? Like, if I was going through what issue in a Branson, Missouri, that like, what do you think? What do you think he's dealing with? Like, what would be? What would be? Oh one my thing? goodness! Well, he, he quotes conservatism, so I'm assuming it's there's political. Okay. So here's rock solid Trump country, right? Um, and what you're beginning to see is the wedding of Christian themes and motifs with the Republican political narrative and viewpoint. Okay. And and you're beginning to go. No, 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 that's not how it works. That's that's idolatry, right? That's like that's baptizing the empire and saying, you know, Jesus would support this. I mean, that's mm-hmm. conflating um allegiance to Jesus with allegiance to a certain political ideology. Okay. Right? So you're going, holy crap, man, this is horrible. Now, there, there are all kinds of things you can do in response to that, right? You can start tweeting, you can start Facebooking people that share memes and like, well, here's a fact check for Trump and, you know, and none of that is going to help a damn thing. Right. Correct? Right. Instead, now, and, and this is just an example. Right. Instead, I would, I would, so you get a, you get a talk by Brian Zahn or Greg Boyd uh, wrote a book called The Myth of a Christian Nation or, you know, you get some of these guys that are going, hey, hey, and women who are going, no, 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 no. And and you and you begin to share that and say, hey, this was super challenging to me. I would love your thoughts on this. Um, and, and in a non-threatening way, say, hey, when you listen to it, let's get together. I'd love to know what you think. Um, mm-hmm. And and just listen. You know, the 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 key to helping people deconstruct is listening and asking good questions. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's great. That's exactly so that's what, what so that's what I would do. So that's why yeah. so so I would I would have this short collection of books or um, podcasts or whatever talks that have been helpful that there's like the beginning and there's the medium and then there's the advanced. You know, right, I'd, right. I'd find the beginner's version of like, well, here's this interesting book on the Bible. Now, right. I don't agree with all of it, but it raises some fascinating questions. Right. Here's this like Boyd, myth of a Christian nation. Like, I don't buy everything he's saying, but wow, he raises some great points. Mm-hmm. And that one, I mean, if I had if I had somebody in my life go through that with me, we would get into some really juicy stuff. Mm-hmm. But but remember, your job isn't to convince them. Like love invites. Love doesn't compel, love doesn't manipulate, love doesn't coerce, love just invites. And and you'll realize some people don't. They're they're good, mm-hmm. they're good, and you're like fantastic. I respect everything about your right and dedication to believe this, um, uh, but but there will be folks you'll come across who who you'll just see start engaging, and those are the people you run with. Yeah, absolutely. And the beautiful part is, it's not our job to change people. Correct. We can't do that at all. So correct. So freedom in that, right? Yep. So Love that's that. what that's why I always am like, just tell your story then. Yeah. So yeah, I used to be a diehard. Republican. I did, right? I was just raised mm-hmm. um Reagan, Bush. Um, and and then, you know, around around um after 9-11, you started seeing the melding of biblical themes and evangelical politics. And I'm sure it was happening before that. I was just old enough to become aware 
of like, oh, we should probably be suspicious of this, right? We cannot mm-hmm. assume America equals God's will on earth. <laughs> right. Right. And then the more you dig into that, the more you realize, oh, this really is an idolatry that we're blind to, right? Just like consumerism. It's, it's, it's thick in the air that we breathe. And so often we don't recognize it. And so it took other people who were gentle and kind to wake me yeah. up. So I'm totally woke now. So when you're having deconstructing conversations, and and Tim Muehlhoff has a great, great, you know, we've had him on the show a couple of times. He's written a book called uh, I Beg to Differ, Navigating Difficult Conversations with uh, Truth and Love and Winsome Persuasion. That's his new one that just came out, right? The new, yeah, this you is guys the new did that podcast not that long ago. Which yes, is which is fantastic. Uh, it's so good. It's so good. So go back. There's a lot of communication theory in here, but there's a lot of like really deeply practical stuff. So for those of you in in environments where you know, like you're dreading Thanksgiving because you're the token either Trump supporter or non-Trump supporter around the table, right? Because it can go either way. I mean, we want to we want to be people that uh, like the the coolest thing about the church we planted in California was that you would have people who'd entered the country illegally taking communion with uh, with this guy that would always wear this big white trump shirt right and and you're like that's that's something only jesus does just because the shirt wasn't black <laughs> no. and it wasn't slimming no oh. yeah it was I a white lie. t-shirt yes why, you said what, it was why white. do they make white t-shirts why is, man? all right we got two more questions well, i know you, you t- that that was no great, you, you like, hijacked a little bit well, no no i think that in I'm thinking a good hijack Branson, Missouri, like let's help people. Let's, you know, help yeah. people really think yeah. through how do you, I don't know. How do you engage well? That's in, it. Yeah. You don't do it on social media unless. And, but the difference I think is what I, that, that I wanted to get to is it's different between your opinion, like just sharing an opinion versus right. inviting someone into your story. Right. Like this is, this is really what's going on in my heart. Correct. In my mind. And I don't share. So I would never share that too openly because you'll get crushed by people that you Absolutely. don't expect. But the people, there will be people in your life that will be like, yeah, I'd love to read this book. I right. totally am fascinated by this. Right. And then you go on this thing together and that, and that's where um, I, I think a lot of us like Dallas Willard just has this great line, of course, uh, where he's like, and I'm paraphrasing, but he you don't would, have him memorized. Well, it, I do, Close. I do, I do Dallas Willard memory verses for sure. Absolutely, um, <laughs> it's like a moment of silence to Dallas. <laughs> oh my goodness, he's awesome. He but you. he would say, he would say, Jesus would be the first person to tell you that you should follow the truth wherever it leads. Like you don't come at these conversations from a position of like begging or bribing, or you come from a position of well, let's let's learn this together. Let's, this is some really fascinating to me. I'd love your take on mm-hmm. it because I value what you think. Like to me, that whole posture is incredibly powerful these days. Absolutely. And that, I mean, just so last night at, on campus at the Ohio State University, there That's was, a, about. There was a, a, a conversation between a, a Christian professor and a, and a, I don't know if it was an agnostic or atheist. Um, but the, the last, one of the questions that was texted was, how sure are you of what you believe? Mm. And the um, the atheist lady said, "I'm 100 percent sure, or 10 out of a 10, hmm. um, confident that I, mm-hmm. that what I believe is correct because I stand behind what I believe." Mm-hmm. And the Christian guy was like, "You know, I'm 80, 90 percent," mm-hmm. which I thought was so awesome because it's a right. it's a it's a 
Christianity is one of those things where Jesus is like, explore, like right. go after it, you know? And uh, it was just, yep. it can scare the crap out of people. Cause yeah. you're like, wait, what? Wait, huh? Right. But at the same time, it's like, we're all on a journey, right? I don't, I don't know how, how you would respond to that, but. Well, I would respond from both sides. Like on one side, cert- being certain of something is, is really viewed as a bad thing mm-hmm. in our culture today. Right. And so it's very, very in vogue to be on a journey, to be in process, to like, I yeah. even led with, hey, questions are more important than answers, right? I mean, it's like, okay. Right, right. But you actually have to live at some point. Like, you have to walk, right. you have to choose, you have to decide, you have right. to wrestle. Um, so at some point, you can't, you know, certainty isn't a bad thing. I'm certain I had lunch today and I'm certain that I love my wife and I'm certain that, you know, my children are real. I'm certain you had mustard for lunch. Looking at it. Exactly. All over your beard. Um, So I I don't, I don't want to wipe away certainty. Right. Just automatically because certainty is what causes fundamentalism and fundamentalism is always bad. I don't, so I, I'm, I'm not on that train. Okay. So I'm like, okay, I mean, the atheist made a mistake by saying I'm certain it's not true because that presupposes exhaustive knowledge of all possible universes and, you know, everything. And you're like, well, you can't have that. So you should be more readily agnostic in that case. But um, on the one hand, I don't buy the narrative that certainty is always bad. I don't buy that. On the other hand, um, faith is this very interesting concept in the Bible. Faith doesn't mean... um, uh, certainty, not at all. Faith means it's faith is an action word, like love is an action word. Mm-hmm. Like faith involves believing, but but faith is what you do. Okay. And so right. so you know, you can very I can very easily believe that you're a great shot with a bow and arrow, but to put an apple on my head and have you shoot at that <laughs> apple on can my we head do this after we're done here. Yes. Um, that takes a whole different level of commitment, correct? Absolutely. So, so the kind of faith that's spoken of in the Bible is the faith that shows itself always in action. So you can be tentative in your commitment, but still take the action. In that case, you have faith. Perfect. So, so for me, am I sure this is, am I certain this is real? Well, I'm not certain. No, of course not. Because it could be falsified. You could produce unequivocally the bones of Jesus or, or the Bible could be proven to be a myth in some way or whatever. Okay. Um, However, the more I've stepped in line with the biblical narrative and the reality, the presuming reality of God, the more firm those steps have become because they've been solid. I've just seen solid ground. So I become more sure, but I I grow more sure of fewer things. Okay. Then I, because I used to have, you know, uh, like diehard opinions on everything, knowing the ark and Adam and Eve and, you know, and that decreases. 5,000 years or 5 million. Of course. And that decreases as, as you get beat up a little bit by life. And the mm-hmm. process of deconstructing is one of the things that happens is you begin to separate secondary from primary. And you realize, hey, my faith doesn't hinge on whether or not Adam and Eve was literal, right? I have an opinion on that for sure, but that's just not something that, like, right. like I'm going to the wall on, right? Right. My faith doesn't hinge on whether Noah and the ark was global or local, whether it was a flood that was the whole earth or just the, you know, Mesopotamian basin or whatever, right? It just doesn't, it doesn't hinge on that. It doesn't right. hinge on whether or not evolution happened or not. And, and, and so what happens, part of what reconstruction does is you become, you become, you become much more sure, not certain, but sure. Mm-hmm. 
I'm willing to act as if this were true increasingly. All right. That's what I mean by sure. Yeah. Um, because I've, I have a past history with God now, right? I don't, right. I don't think it's all coincidence. I think there are things that have specifically taken place and things specifically that have brought freedom and blah, 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 blah. But at the same point, um, I, I am absolutely open to being shown it's false and would not want to believe it if it were false. You know, if you could show that this whole thing's a bunch of hooey, well, man, of course. <laughs> now, some people are out there saying, well, yeah, we've already done that. Okay, great. Let's have a conversation then. Right. But so, so on the one hand, back to your professors, on the one hand, I would never say certainty is horrible always. Right. Because that's certain, right? I mean, you, at some right, point, right. certainty is inescapable. Right. At least in your actions. Um, but I think one of the things that's healthy that's happening is that we're taking what was certain to previous generations in the Christian tradition, mm-hmm. and we're holding it back up to what we know, um, right. what we're learning about the universe, about what um, improvements in, in biblical criticism and earlier manuscripts and learning about the Dead Sea Scroll communities have been, you know, I mean, there's, so you're, you're on this ever, this never-ending journey where you're still stepping on firm ground, mm-hmm. but you never arrive at, yeah, 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 this, I've got it nailed. Uh, I'm 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 pretty convinced that that there is a God. I'm pretty convinced that creation, fall, redemption, restoration is the is the true story of the world. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced Jesus is the most interesting, fascinating person that's ever walked the face of the earth, and I'm pretty convinced I want to be like that. I want to become more like that, mm-hmm. right? But that's about as far as about as far as I go in terms of the pretty convinced. What line. about him dying? Well, that back? okay. I'm packing all that. Oh, in. okay, okay. Just- just making sure. Oh yeah, you know, dude. Just, for the Bible, for the buckle. No, that was fantastic though. So that, that was like full circle coming back to the deconstruction of his initial questions. So, yes, my young sensei. Perfect. Well, okay. So that's thirty-four minutes on one question of three. So we'll we'll tackle this one quickly. Um, subject: reconciling statements and biblical authority. Question. And this totally fits with what we were just talking about. Your recent podcast on John MacArthur brought up a question for me towards the end of the episode. You mentioned something Tim Keller wrote as being very helpful in understanding social justice. However, Tim Keller is one of the most prominent voices against ordaining women, which I am for. Right. I only bring him up as an example. The larger question I'm curious about, and this is a genius question, what is your take on learning from Christian writers and thinkers who are ultimately human with uh, with contradictions and inconsistencies in their own theology? Thanks. I really enjoy the conversations and teachings that come from the podcast. Okay. Genius question. All right. So, my friend, you have no other option outside of learning from Jesus of Nazareth but to follow people who are inconsistent and full of contradiction, whether or not they admit it uh, or uh, or not. <laughs> whether or not they admit it or not. I mean, he's he's listening to this podcast, so. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, so. So here's here's my take. And I used to I used to get so much crap because I, I wrote some books earlier in my career. And I would quote um very liberal progressive theologians next to James Dobson and, you know, 
you know, Tim Keller. I mean, it was, right, okay. and, and people would be just, you know, calling me liberal or heretic or whatever. Um, and and I always thought that was such a such a silly, like non-intellectual way of approaching this, where Tim Keller's always right and Rob Bell is always wrong. John MacArthur's always wrong, but um, John Francis Dominic Chan Cross, yeah, is always, is right. always right. Of course he is. I mean, come on. I mean, he is. He is. He's as close as you get. Um, not really, but so so on the one hand, the only option we have is to sit with teachers who are wrong about some things because that we all are. I mean, there's no, I, I, I just don't know which part I'm wrong on. Right. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and I am I mean, like I used to be um, very much complementarian, and then people would just kept pointing out the error in that. I realized, Oh my goodness, this, yeah, I, I was totally wrong in that. Did it mean that everything I said while I was a complementarian was wrong and false? Well, of course not. Right. So, so I would disagree with Mr. Keller over, I mean, and we're not even on the same plane, so he doesn't care. <laughs> um, but I would disagree over some of his reform beliefs. I would disagree with his take on women. Mm-hmm. But my goodness, um, some of his stuff on uh, the prodigal God, some of his stuff on justice, he wrote a book on marriage. There were some parts of it that I absolutely loved. And so we find ourselves in the place of the, the writer when Paul was talking to the Thessalonians, he said, listen, and he's talking about prophecies, which were these utterances that were meant to have more authority than just my opinion. He said, test everything, hold on to the good. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I read the Bible and I read Paul quoting Greek poets and philosophers, all right, he does this in the book of Acts. He'll quote non-Christian, pagan, Zeus-worshipping um, uh, literature, and he'll quote it in service to Jesus, which means Paul was familiar with that literature and could pull out things that were true. So one of the very the, one of the best things we could possibly do with each other in the Christian church is to focus on what unifies us rather than what divides us, right? And our political theology. I have more in common, and people don't believe this, I have more in common with a Trump-loving gun rights person, right, if I'm not one of those, who is a Christian than I do with somebody who agrees with me politically who's a non-Christian. Correct. But 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 that's not how we see it. Right. Like I got lots of pushback on that. Yeah. Um and, and so so part of learning, and I love your question, Daniel, part of learning this beautiful menagerie of Christian theology is to say, okay, I don't have to buy everything MacArthur says. John MacArthur's written some great stuff. I, there's a lot of it I don't like, but that that doesn't disqualify him. It's like when people, my Reformed brothers and sisters, quote Luther. Like, Luther is brilliant. And then he wrote some stuff towards the end of his life about Jews that you'd never associate with him. So my point to them would be like, why can't I quote Rob Bell? Why can't I quote you know, whatever other John Dominic Crossan, um, and you're fine quoting Luther, but Luther said some things were utterly idiotic and abhorrent. I mean, abhorrent. Oh, absolutely. Right? I mean, you you, Luther wouldn't survive the Me Too movement. You know I mean? There's just no way. So we have to become people who test everything, hold on to the good, and who are unwilling to sit with black and white labels over teachers and theologies. There's, there is truth in Calvinism, even though I don't agree with it. There is truth in dispensationalism, even if I don't agree with it. There is truth, right? 
right? If you're if you're preach if you're opening the Bible, there is truth, right? You can disagree with how it comes across, how it's presented, but man, if you're just reading the text, there's some truth there. And so, so we've got to become people who learn discernment rather than who just trust labels. And that's why I don't like the Christian bookstore thing where, you know, we, we boycott this person because we're not teaching people to discern. We're just teaching people, listen, if it comes from John MacArthur, it's okay. Or if it comes from Tim Keller, it's okay. And, or if it comes from Mike Erie, it's okay. And, and, and that none of those things are true, right? The goal the goal of teaching is twofold. Number one, Paul says to Timothy, the goal of this instruction is love. But then I would add, um, the goal of the uh, of good teaching is to simulate your own thought. So when Paul says, let each one be fully convinced in his own mind about disputable matters, that's what we're doing, right? So read Keller, and, and if egalitarian theology can't answer complementarian objections, then then you should be a complementarian, right? The biggest issue, though, isn't what you believe about X, Y, and Z. The biggest issue is how this works itself out practically. So, for me, Tim Keller's reputation as a, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a leader, as a public figure has been absolutely amazing. And so, I have, I have so much respect for who he is as a person that I will listen to him on topics that I would normally just go, eh, I'm not so sure I care about this. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like there's a, and that's the same, same with Chan. I mean, you like we're getting so many people disqualified in ministry that you're like, okay, the, the, the people that have walked with integrity, who've been trustworthy with money and influence and, um, and power, like the, those are people I'm really curious to hear from, even if I don't agree. The same discernment process still is at play though right? I'm always discerning. And what are you discerning against? Well, as best you can, you're discerning against the teachings of Jesus um, and the teachings of the scriptures. The objection then is, well, but isn't the teaching of the scriptures and the teachings of Jesus filtered through, first of all, the biblical writers, right, who wrote the accounts of Jesus, who didn't just like like write down, and then 1257, Jesus went here, and then he went to the restroom, and then he ate apricots. They're very theologically oriented biographies, of course. So you could say, well, yeah, but aren't those filtered? And even the Bible translators into English, isn't that filtered? And the answer is yes, of course it is. Um, but but the, kind, the kind of filtering we're talking about is learning as best you can to take the text as it's meant to be taken. And, and then evaluating as best you can the things you're hearing from all sorts of sources. And now not everyone has time to do that. That's why it is helpful sometimes when you find somebody like N.T. Wright. I will give N.T. Wright the benefit of the doubt until he's shown to be wrong, right, on some of his big stuff. Like, I'm so convinced that his perspective on some Pauline stuff is right. I'm just like, okay, well, until you're, you've proven him wrong, I'm going to go with him. John Walton is another guy in Genesis, right? So, there are there are times when you get to kind of the benefit of the doubt to people. Because mm-hmm. I don't have time to look at every ancient Near Eastern text to if, see if Walton's quoting them correctly. Right. You know, you know what I mean? Right. And so, part of, part of why teachers are held more accountable, I think— uh, at least according to to James, is uh, because we're not just um, content like producers, but we're content curators. In other words, um, when someone asks me for book recommendations or like, "Hey, where did you learn this?" Like, you're you're not just helping people 
like here's the information, but you're helping them become certain kinds of learners. Right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So, so for me, bro, the the posture is test everything, hold on to the good. So Keller, I would disagree with dramatically, but there's there are more things we agree on. And not that he would care at all about yeah, he just he just called and said he didn't care. It was, it was like, just want to let you know. He said, box what? Box like who? Box, isn't that some other yeah, isn't that a media company? Yeah, what are you like, doing? You, you get, get an original name. Infringement? Right. What, what if we did the Vox Bowl Coalition? Coalition oh. is a great word. You uh, should yes. totally yes. With the We said Vox Bowl? Yeah, well, Vox Gospel's Bowl? already taken. So, All right. Um, so that's a lot of rambling. Kevin, I'm glad you're here because one of the things you do that you've gotten compliments on in the past from more than just your wife has been the so what factor because I get lost in the isn't this theoretical stuff fun and and you're very good at like okay so like practically how did how would you do this okay that's that's actually helpful because I'm no I'm, don't say it I'm just learning don't bro. say it bro 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 uh, all right my friends so we're not doing the third did we cut them no off? no I mean long? the the third one is this incredible question about unanswered prayer. Oh, I mean, how prayer works. Oh, it is. And there's no way we're 45 minutes. There's no way we no, can do it justice. That's like a whole podcast on its own. I know. I thought we could get through these first two quickly, but Branson hijacked me. Uh, but that's a, that's a big thing right now is like, Branson. Man, you're, you're in a, yeah. you're in a culture or an area where you've been told to believe this and act this way. And you're suddenly going, huh? Yeah. So I think I'm, I'm glad we spent time on it, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, you made me, so I'm glad you're glad. Yeah. Maybe. Are you mad? No. I love it. Oh. No, I thought, bro, I just compliment. Yes. I want to make sure that we're that we're good here. Oh, we're in cahoots. Perfect. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And may he give you peace in these days. Thank you so much from a very slap happy room in Columbus, Ohio. Mike and Kevin, out! <laughs>